Welcome back, folks. We are proud to be sponsored by CBD Vermont. They believe that healthy soils, strong local economies, and plant-based wellness go hand in hand in hand. That's why they work with organic farmers across Vermont to grow the highest quality hemp and produce full-spectrum CBD extracts for wholesale. They've recently launched an online store where you can buy Vermont-made CBD products, including oils, capsules, edibles, and topicals that have been fully vetted by the staff at CBD Vermont. What a cool gig. I want to be a, a CBD vetter, an Eddie vetter. They ship everywhere. And as huge music fans, they're offering our listeners 15% off all products. So go to cbdvermont.com and use the code AMIGOS, plural, A-M-I-G-O-S, at checkout to get 15% off. That's cbdvermont.com. Use the code AMIGOS for 15% off. Hey there, this is Kyle Hollingsworth. You're listening to Amigos with Mike Fenoya on the Osiris Network. Folks, today's episode is brought to you by SiriusXM Satellite Radio. You may already know that SiriusXM brings you the deepest variety of commercial-free music for every genre and for every mood. That's where you hear the biggest names in talk, entertainment and comedy, and hundreds of hand-curated music channels designed to fit every mood. It's where you get news from every source. It's where you can listen to the newly launched Fish Radio. Woo! In addition to Jam On, the Grateful Dead Radio, Pearl Jam Radio, Tom Petty Radio, and many more. It's where you can listen to top comedy channels such as Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Radio and Netflix is a Joke Radio. And sports talk radio from Barstool to ESPN and more to keep you up to date on the latest news in the sports world. Most people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. Subscribe now and listen outside the car, on your phone, online, and at home. And get your first three months for just a dollar. Visit SiriusXM.com slash Amigos, A-M-I-G-O-S, to see offer details and to subscribe and start listening today. That's SiriusXM, no car required. What's up? This is Mike Fenoya from Amigos, and Amigos Podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris Podcast. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and stay in the loop. Yo, hey guys, welcome back. It's Mike Fenoya, it's Amigos. Um, I am in between fish concerts here, summer tour. Tomorrow I leave for Camden, New Jersey. Uh, did Merriweather, skipped Maine. Um, not too upset, except for that encore, the lizard Susie encore that really uh, broke my heart. But some of you were like, what's this idiot talking about? This is a podcast about music and uh culture and life and comedy and uh we're in the midst of fish tour my favorite band that's p-h-i-s-h for uh the lay and um caught a couple of amazing shows at the merriweather post pavilion in maryland i love that venue i'll go back there whenever possible such a nicely laid out situation um 
And then as long as you're not on the lawn, I think if you're on the lawn, you're shit out of luck. It's like being behind Bill Walton the whole time. Um, but they played amazing. Uh, I love the running into Amigos fans. If you said hi, hello. Uh, if you see me at any of the other shows, you'll be hearing this, what is it, second day of uh, SPAC. Um, <clears throat> yeah, come say hi, man. It's it's great running into everybody. I have Brandon Wennard of Bro Bible on the podcast today. Let's get into some business first, guys. As always, if you're on iTunes, thank you for the reviews and the ratings. And if you haven't done it yet, it takes a second. It means a lot. Head over and uh, give us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, We have a new YouTube channel. Go to the Amigos Pod YouTube channel and check out videos of our podcast. Spotify. I'm very excited about this. Follow Follow Mike Fenoya, the artist, formerly known and still currently known and forever known as... Uh, Mike Fenoya on Spotify. My album Live in Burlington's up there. I have a pretty exciting project um, that I'll get into in a second uh, that, that's going to be on there. And also, you could follow me for my weekly playlist, Poncho Mike's Weekly Picks. Um, uh, I have volume three out. I'm picking 10 songs that got me through the week, uh, and, and they're there out there for you. I try to keep it uh, as diverse as possible, but I'm also not forcing anything. So if I... Listen to something during the week that I like that I think you guys will like. I share it with you. Um, I'm working on a little uh, project that's going to be on Spotify. So I need you guys to go over and follow because after this fish tour, basically I, I'm going on this run of shows, Merriweather through Mohegan and then heading out to Dick's. This is 2095 I started seeing fish. So I'm pushing 25 years. I'm turning 40 in October, and I'm doing a little look back, a little podcast mini-series that will appear on Spotify um, that is going to be a look back on why I still do it, uh, what I've learned from this, what I've picked up along the way. It's not going to be about the music. It's going to be about um, our relationship with the band and uh, fun interviews, surprise guests. It's going to be a little subsidiary of Amigos. It's not going to be an Amigos joint, but it'll be a fun binge listen. Uh, and I'm very, very excited to bring it to you. So keep an eye out on Spotify. I'll talk about it more on here again. I didn't want to talk about it until I was uh, completely sure I was doing it. So I'm jazzed. So uh, that's what I'm working on this summer. I'm writing a lot of notes during the shows, which is fun. I carry a notebook with me in my pocket. I've got Amigos stickers, so if you're on the lot and you see me, come say hi. I'll be the bald guy wearing uh, probably a Comedy Cellar t-shirt. Thanks again to Osiris for having us. And on Wednesday, July 10th, from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, at Mohegan Sun Comics Roadhouse, the the comedy club right next to the arena, myself and Dawn from Female Centrics will have a live podcast recording pre-fish party Clash of the Podcast. It's going to be amazing. They've got amazing craft beer. They have a dynamite food menu. They have like a Tex-Mex kind of vibe so you can get pulled pork and burgers. And we're taking over the place Wednesday from 2 to 4. So come get your pre-show food. Come hang with the Amigo and the Amiguette and uh, enjoy. Come chill with us. Go to comics, C-O-M-I-X, mohegansun.com for details. And then again, always, guys, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at AmigosPod, A-M-I-G-O-S-P-O-D, MikeFenoy.com for dates. Going to be at the Comedy Cellar in Vegas at the end of July. Squeezing in a show at Comedy Works in Denver, I think, after 
uh, the Dicks Run. And uh, go to Facebook and like the you know fan page and join the discussion group. All right, uh, Brandon Wenard, great dude. Uh, he is with Bro Bible. Bro Bible is awesome. Great vehicle for fun content. Uh, it's like Maxim for guys that like to uh, do ayahuasca, basically. I think if I'm getting that right. If I'm getting it wrong, I apologize, uh, Brandon. But we talked about comedy. We talked about uh, mental health. We talked about L.A. versus New York. We talked about our mutual friend, Dan Lamort. We talked about a lot of things, and uh, I love Brandon, and I'm excited to uh, be pals with him and uh, to do more stuff moving forward with those guys. So um, are you enjoying Fish Tour? Are you enjoying Amigos? Hit me up. Go to social media. Let's talk. Enjoy this episode. I love you guys a bunch. Be safe out there, and uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Good night. Brandon Wenard. How are you, buddy? I am. I'm wonderful, man. Dude. Let's just let's just tell the the listeners the the where we are right now. We're looking out on. Would you swim in that? I would not swim in that. <laughs> it's the grossest. That lake. gross Howard County Lake. I, I, oh, you even know the county. It looks like like the, that looks like swamp things. Like there's, elementary. There's school. a there's a creature that is going to emerge from that bog and just destroy Merriweather tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a very uh, a very deep lurking Carini or something like yeah. that because of these weird weird boggy vibes from this view yeah i know we could get some real watery maybe a waves maybe a sloth <laughs> something dirty and dark something dirty and dark um brandon um for the well first off we are at merryweather post pavilion on a sunday never miss a sunday show never miss a sunday podcast that's what i say absolutely we're here uh we're we're up in the continental at the hotel, the Sheridan. We're in this weird eyes wide shut room, and we're chilling out uh, pre going into the lot on Sunday uh, summer tour. How's it going so far for you? It's going great, man. Yeah. I mean, what a what a what a tour! What a way to start um, yeah. everything. It feels it still feels very like we're absolutely in the you know first third of the tour mm-hmm. to me, especially now that fish has come east. Yes, um, this home. is yeah they're home they're now. home they're kind of you know everybody's within driving distance more or less. They're to to what you know to shows and whatnot. Uh, this is the beginning for me of what was a very long planned out fish fishcation. Um, yeah, because you're LA now. I'm LA. I live in LA. I lived in New York for years. Uh, Are you almost from ten New York? years. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Whereabouts? Uh, Central, uh, Gettysburg area. Ooh, yeah. Home of the address. Home of the address. Home of many. Uh, every school trip in the in the in the country yes. has visited Gettysburg. So, do you know what we did? I grew up in Connecticut, and our Gettysburg was the Salem. Massachusetts. Of course. Do you ever go there? Oh, it's so it's so creepy. Ooh, yeah, it's it really great. Is. It's yeah. funny though because like growing up in Gettysburg, like you know, there's all the like ghost tours and you know, it, look, it's a very macabre place. It's yeah. a place where a lot of people died. Yep. But when you're like a teenager doing like stupid teenager shit, you're like, oh, there's a, like a great place to smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. I'm gonna go French a chick near the yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> like. That's so great. <laughs> so yeah, we really show. So no you respect. sort of like you have you have like you're like oh yeah, there's this like really awful like milestone <laughs> of America's history that happened here, but you know yeah, I'm let's go do nitrous. Yeah, I got whippets. <laughs> right, I'm also you know 18 and an idiot. <laughs> push over gravestones. Kids have no respect for anything. That's why I love it so much. Um, and and you um, now you're out in L.A. Bro Bible's doing phenomenal shit. Congratulations, Thank you, man. With that. I really so, yeah. appreciate that. What are you doing with that? Let's let's get to know. Let's do the quick. You know. 
introduction to the listeners. Sure. So tell me what's going on with uh Yeah, so I mean Brobabble is uh yeah, a lot of people are really familiar with it. We've been around for about 10 years now, yeah. um, which is, as a media property, is still very young compared to you know the GQs, Esquires, et cetera, of the world. It absolutely. takes decades to build yeah. a media Hustler. Franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we started it in 2009 in New York City. Um, I was in a way different life stage than I am now yeah. in my early 20s. Yeah. And the idea was like we saw – Glossy men's magazines, Maxim, GQ, etc. And we were like, man, this is kind of lame. Like, all this stuff is so lame. Why are these guys tr- treated as the authority for, you know, how dudes talk about stuff? Right. Totally, um, man. And, 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 you know, at the time, we kind of we picked this goofy name, Bro Bible. <laughs> like, it's catchy. It's and alliteration. It's catchy, and you know exactly who the audience is, whether you love it or hate it. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we kind of built. In a lot of ways, the way that like the fish community kind of started as a message board, yep, um, where the idea was like D three college lacrosse players in the Northeast, <laughs> honestly, Patriot and Captain the Swim Team, exactly, exactly, yeah, totally, yeah, like stuff like that, like a digital like destination for you know these kind of groups of dudes, mm-hmm. um, and then and at the time there were all these other like crazy things going on in. Um, culture around kind of young millennials, etc. Yeah, uh, who are now you know my age in their early thirties. <laughs> like, no, it's amazing. It's, the term millennial well, doesn't even mean kids crazy. anymore. But like, but like you know, Bro Bible kind of was in this world of like blog music um, with with like uh, Sam Adams and and even like Mac Miller and all these these guys that were considered frat rappers. Yeah, SoundCloud rappers. SoundCloud rappers, exactly. Yeah. Before, before it became a very big established thing. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we were able to kind of book these guys, give them a big platform. Uh, EDM was on a huge come up when, yeah. you know, bro Bible was really started or we were the first, um, Booker to bring Pretty Lights to New York City. Oh wow! In twenty in twenty ten at a at a huge, really huge show. Just the goal was kind of to become this like events marketing publishing destination. Sure, yeah, you know, of type many of thing, hats of many hats. Um, after you know Avicii and all these guys became some of the biggest talented acts in the world yeah and we were very priced out of, of what that looked like compared to you know the win of in course. vegas yeah, my God, it's nuts isn't yeah it? yeah it, it's <laughs> like it's like we rode this like really interesting cultural wave for uh college kids to like age 26 yeah uh, kids but the great thing about that is we then doubled down into the publishing business yeah where the idea was okay we have a huge audience uh, we have an editorial team that does a great job talking about pop culture and, you know, yeah, things that yeah. are meaningful like that. Um, and that's kind of where the business went. And, you know, now we are um, still chugging along at that. You guys um, are doing a great job. Thank you, man. And social media, you guys, like, you, you, you rolled right into that world Yeah, perfectly. right into that world. It's funny because, like... I remember exactly the exact day that like Facebook rolled out like pages mm. or like the day that Instagram like went live and like all these various things that are now so a part of our like I mean it's everything uh, consu- it's everything it's and, everything and and especially in you know entertainment and what it's what, it's what a necessary thing and it's and it's something that I've kind of um I will admit I struggle with it because it's something that like, are you doing it right? Are you doing it enough? Are you sometimes it's like, I don't really want to put shit out unless it's something worth 
like really worth it. And it and it doesn't feel human sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest that's the biggest problem is you know of it feels it feels very coerced and And you know what awful. the thing is too is like you know you mentioned like that bro like you know love it or hate it. You said like you know love a bro hate a bro. It's a term that's been kind of tossed around and I think about like I was up at Yukon and oh, I was yeah. like living in a in carriage house apartments which were known for Spring weekend, flipping sure. cars, oh, fucking man. the that whole nine, yep. you know, yep. and, and, and it was like me and my buddies and we went to the gym during the the day and then we went to the bar at night and we went to concerts and we you saw a lot of fish, probably. Ton- oh, I mean, exactly. hundreds of shows and it was just something that was we were dudes that were not the maxim yeah. dudes. Exactly. I mean, we would sure we would read the, you know, love Mila Kunis on the cover. Sure. I mean, who, you know, can't beat that with a stick. Yep. But then it's like. I don't know, man. I don't really give a fuck about, you know, what cologne and what pheromones. Yeah. And I was more like, what's going on with mushrooms? What's want, going on with like right. DMT? Or like, I want to laugh. Yeah, like, let's you know, have there's, fun. There's so, much, there's so much in lifestyle media that is just not fun. It's not funny. Right. Um, and, you know. Uh, and also not all bros are bad dudes. And it's like there are some things where it's like, what about the, what about the, the like, you know, the guys that are fighting the fight for rights for all and 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 volunteering and doing yeah. like good things and that's where i see there's a lot of like yeah. room to kind of and to be honest that was the thing was that you know bro bible even started you know like we started by really kind of supporting like oh what are some like cool feel good philanthropic stories mm-hmm. that are out there in this community that just get pushed aside over all of the negative bullshit right. that you know pops up. Because there's also so still much talk of that. about that because they're both very important things, and it's balance. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. it's all about balance. So, like, we built this really powerful audience of you know millions of people and a national brand out yeah. of it. Yeah, you did. Um, and now, you know, like I said, we're in like year ten officially. It's amazing. Um, we're just as a as a business, we're we're totally independent. We were owned by another company for about six years. Um, to now, we do it fully independent, which is wonderful. That's that's um, awesome. And and uh, my focus in Los Angeles is really to uh, think about how to build like intellectual property with really talented other people in the space in media media is changing like crazy everywhere yes and uh you know while i love the digital destination that's a big part of my day-to-day still i'm looking at like oh who are like the talented comedians out there personalities people that can build um meaningful cultural ip franchises on the myriad of platforms that we have these days i know man it's it's really wild I, I did a very good friend of mine, a comic that um, I think just moved to L.A., Dan Lamort. He had me on his... Uh, Wait, your buddies with Dan Lamort? Dan Lamort. Dan had, Lamort is my boy. Dan Lamort is my boy. He's He looks at... Uh, it, it, it's funny. We're talking about Jersey Dan Lamort, Jersey right? Jersey Dan. So listen, he had me... Looks like me. Yeah, dude. Okay, good. Yeah, right. I love it. <laughs> yeah, these so my he did, He's working on a podcast for you guys about yeah. growing up. Yep, yep. I was his first guest. Dude, I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't mean to know about the podcast. I didn't realize you were his first guest. Yeah, him and I are... Like, he's somebody that, like... I've got some... I've got... He's young. Yeah. So I've got some years on him, and we hit it off right away. And he saw me do a set, I think, at Gotham. And then he hit me up on Facebook and was like, dude, you're... Like, every time I see you, I love what you're doing. Yeah. And, I just became really good friends with him. Yeah, and I love that. Kid. We're supporting his uh, his first album yeah, as like dude. a big promotional comedies. Thing. Like I, I Dan is so Dan took me to pr- 
probably one of the funniest like concepts like experimental concepts for a comedy show that i've ever been to in la oh, I can't uh, when to he was it. outed out i think it was about eight months ago when we first met for the first time um he was like hey do you want to come to this like show the concept is it's going to be myself and like five died in the wool like la comedians uh where we do a set we do like um we do like eight minutes ish uh then there's a break all of the comedians then go in a limo outside, hotbox it. <laughs> it's like sponsored by some like cannabis company in LA. Fucking all the comedians get stoned as hell. Yeah, and then take the stage to then you know yeah. try to get through another eight minutes. Sounds like a Dan Lamort show. And it was a thousand percent a Dan Lamort <laughs> show. And I was and it was I was like I was like I absolutely need to witness this. this yeah, uh, this sounds absolutely transformational yeah dude he's so. such a good kid and it and he's somebody that like you know when you when like i said i have a couple of years on him yeah. and we got to know each other and he's like such a killer dude such a great so, guy. to just like and then like i've did a couple of shows that he had going on in, in new york where yeah. it was like there's a couple rooms that have like a uh almost like an underground speakeasy weed yeah. show and like you, you go in and there's people are just handing you blunts handing you whatever and it's yeah. like i now kind of I don't smoke much before I go on. I kind of save I don't everything know how for guys, after. I don't know how you guys. So do I, that. I I started comedy kind of like uh, opening up for Big J Okerson on the road a lot. He's like a brother to me, and I don't know if you're familiar. You're yep. familiar with Big J's work. And uh, one time, I got ripped, smoked this amazing weed in the car before I went on, and it was in my hometown, New Haven. And I went up, and it was like I could hear my thoughts. Before they were coming, like I was too fucking stoned and I was doing great, but it was like the crap. Every when they were looking at me, I was like, "Why are they looking at me?" And then it's like, "Oh yeah, they paid to look at me. I'm fucking on stage, like, like you know." And I just like, I can't do it anymore. I can have a beer maybe before I go on or whatever, but I don't like the if it's were some. You, if were it's, you able to get through bits? Yeah, very, very, like almost like like a like a pitching machine, right? Do you know what I mean? Like it was like like thought you know motor vehicle like thing there it goes hits the crowd they laugh next thing bang doom i was like very mechanical and i didn't feel like myself i'm very kind of like erratic on stage sometimes where it's like my thoughts will i like to roll with it and i was scared to go out of the lane i was scared to deviate and go off trail i had to stay right focused and pauses like after a laugh they, to me, they felt like a century. It felt like like a millennium was going by in between jokes, but it was really. I went back and listened, and it was like a really fucking good set. Like I'm sure if I got used to it, but that's a thing. I but that's not fun. But that's the thing I thought about too. Is like, like coke. Like I never, I've toyed around with it when I was younger, but it's way, 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 way out of my life now. And I thought about how, god damn, if I ever like did comedy some of these guys that like needed it to get on stage back in like the 90s and 80s you don't want to need something to do your jokes doing a fun show a concept show one night like that's right right, right, you're not gonna make a career being like the go roasting a limo guy you know what i mean but it's a fun like robin williams yeah or like sam kennison some of these guys that like where you watch those like specials and you're like you were richard Pryor in miami is like it might as well be a commercial for Yip. Yeah. You just look at the crowd and everyone's like just perms and amazing, mustaches. and Amazing piece of art, though. As <laughs> brilliant. Special. I mean, just brilliant. Sweating through his silk shirt. Yeah. Just going. I mean, that's comedy. But it's just, you know, drugs. And that's the fun thing about now, though, is you can do these like little pop-up one-off things. Perfect. That's perfect for Dan. Yeah. And I will do it once. But that's – I can't like – that's – you know, it, it's so fun that we have those. I did one – 
Skankfest, Legion of Skanks podcast, puts on this festival. It's happening right now. I did it Friday um, in Brooklyn at Brooklyn Bazaar. It's this big, giant, mm-hmm. old room, and they do – I mean – they, I did a show called Power Hour where eight comics go up and do ten minutes and every – there's a guy sitting in a lounge chair drinking a beer per comic and he can heckle from behind us. And it's brutal, but it's so That's fun. That's really fun. It's fun because it's like it's a buddy yeah. and you're making him laugh. So like now he's the audience. So that shit's fun. It's like slaying the sacred cow to exactly. any other room. Of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. You know, and like look at Dave Attell and Jeff Ross bumping mics. You look at any of these shows yeah. that are unique. And that's the thing now. The good thing about having all these vehicles and all yeah. these different. It's I not mean, in L.A. Just, we have Roast Battle. Which of course. Is, we have it in New York. Yeah, absolutely. I did it a couple real. times and I like it. And I've done I've done I did well. But I have a hard time. I don't know. The guilt gland is uh, always on overproduction with me, so I like will rip someone, and then I'll be like, "See, I've always so wondered sorry. that because when I've when I've seen them at the store, I mean, I'm those are like, those are amazing. I'm always like, this is brutal. Like, yeah, you and by all means say anything, but you got to apologize right Af- afterwards. Afterwards, <laughs> you're like, yeah, man. So, like, do you know who Rich Voss is? Of course, yeah. So the Voss roast was one of the most amazing things I ever saw because it was Bobby Kelly, Florentine, Colin Quinn. Um, I forget, uh, Okerson was on it. Bonnie has, of course, his, his wife, um, Jim Norton. So these, this was like 70 years collective of friendship and ball breaking. And these are the tough crowd guys. These are the guys that came up when ball breaking. I watched Tough Crowd and was like, that's why I want to do comedy because I want to be hanging with these dudes. And you go watch that roast. And it's like, that's a roast. That's a, an old Friars Club. Like, right. everyone was hugging, but like, cutting deep, cutting real deep. Florentine had a joke that said, they know Bonnie McFarland is Rich Voss's wife, yep. Canadian yep. woman. He goes, Bonnie's American dream came true. She moved to America and got stupid rich. Which is just such a fun play on words, but making fun of how dumb Rich is. And the room exploded, and it was at the cellar, and it was like everyone was killing everyone so deep, but it was such a loving experience. And then you watch some of these other roast battles where it's like two people that don't – I did one against Graham Kay. I don't even know – I know him a little, but it was like we sat down and almost interviewed each other. And I was like, is there anything you don't want me to talk about? Because it's like, you know, right. you don't want to hurt anybody. Right. But then again, you do. And that's probably why right. I'm not good at roast. So, <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. Kill Tony's a great show at the store where it's, you know, there's a lot of these, like, fun DIY shows. I had one at the cellar called Hot Seat where I got up on stage. I threw out a premise. For instance, my wife and I don't live together. We're married, but we have separate residencies. And it's just the way that we're yep. doing doing it. And I, I put it out there and I go, any questions? And basically what it was was the crowd was able to ask me questions about a premise or a joke. So I would do like 20 minutes of like basically like you can ask me questions about this. And the crowd would ask a million questions. And then I had other comics come on. And everyone loved it because it was a way to kind of look at your – sometimes when you have a bit – you're so like Focus living the in the bit. And, yeah. You almost yeah. kind of like meditatively have to like transcend your own thought and look at it from two levels back. And when you're talking to other people that aren't looking at it from a comedic analytical mind, you, it's you, just a conversation. You go, wow, I never looked at it that way. And it's kind of neat, you know, yeah. and that's fun that you can do that and then take that to your next whatever, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I love that we're in that world of it's like having a chord structure for a uh, for a comedy 
It really is. That's really cool. It really I've is. I've never thought about it like it's that. It's very but interesting. That just like clicks. Well, I think we all have our, and just like how there's Trey and then there's Carlos Santana and yep. then there's, you know, fucking Lemmy. Yeah. Like everybody's got their instrument and has their path. And I always think about, I had a conversation this morning with a very good friend about how these guys fish. They are able to, they're practicing, they're learning these songs in front of us. No band has the balls to go up on stage on Halloween and play an album no one's heard before. Play, what, 12 songs that no one's ever heard before? It would never happen. When they're expecting Led Zeppelin or Neil Young or Prince, you bring out Abe Vigoda in a wombat suit and you play fucking 12 brand new songs. The relationship that we have with the band where they need us, we need them, we trust each other, we know that we're going to be... They're going to fuck up. We're going to laugh and vice versa. That's what I look for in an audience. And that's what I look for in comedy and podcasting and whatever. I'm, this is an honest conversation with the listeners. And I, I love that. I feel like that's like something that in comedy has really emerged in the last like 15 years, 10, 15 years. I, I don't know. It, it, that feels wall, like, that, that, it that, feels like that barrier, at least with like all these different mediums to be able to, uh, you know, engage with a with a comedian, whereas you know it was almost this uh, sort of church performer, you know. Would you agree of, that maybe it comes with the advent of podcasting too? I agree. I a think that percent. I think that one of the things I love very much about Mark Marin and uh, some of the other ones I listen to is that there's this like two part um, formula to the podcast where it's like here's my intro, which is an ongoing dialogue with my listeners, this yep. friendship that we have, yep. this blind friendship. And then here's an interview with someone I find very interesting. And that's kind of what I love about this is that, like, I'm riddled with anxiety. I talk about it constantly. And I've got, you know, issues that I go through. And I love talking about it because I believe that, like, that's the shit that we need to be. Mental health awareness is something but huge. Isn't, isn't it, like, it's so, it's so rewarding when you realize, as anybody with an audience, when you realize how special what you're giving out into the world is to another person it, it n- nothing means it, i i've i've been blown away by people who will send me an email or f- come to a show yeah and they're like dude you talk about anxiety like i i've n- i didn't know it was okay to talk about that like that and it's like this is perfect this is what needs to be like that's what i want to do like comedy is becoming a thing where it's like first of all uh, i believe that like nobody should be looking at comics like we are like Socrates or the president right. or the pre- we're not philosophers. Yeah. We're fucking telling jokes. You're here for laughs. That's it. And the way I grew up was looking at those stuff that makes you sad and putting a different lens on it and finding the funny to ease the pain. My dog died. I had to make a joke about it. I go on stage and go, I loved her, but she was kneeling during the anthem and not in my house, you know? <laughs> and it's a goddamn joke. My dog wasn't kneeling during the anthem. But you got people that are like getting up like, I can't that believe is, how you t- went there. You must be a you Trump supporter. There. And it's like, yeah, my dog died. If my dog was kneeling, you would have saw it on YouTube. This is a joke. There's five layers of meta onion that I'm we're peeling through with all of this, guys. You know, it, Harlem Renaissance, Langston Hughes, I believe, said it. It was like laughing to keep from crying. And I always thought about that. That's the jazz of what we do is like the uh, there's so much sadness in the world and there's so much pain and there's so much. We're supposed to be the people in the basement at midnight that you chose to come see in the West Village or in L.A. or wherever, yep. Chicago, that like 
we're we're the ones poking a little bit of fun at that awful shit. Norton talks about it at 9-11. Not long after that, people were coming to clubs. Geraldo talked about it, how it's like people needed the laughter. Yeah. And it's like that's all we should be. But to that point, not to get too off topic, I think that like that's the important thing about podcasting. That's the important thing about social media is that if I'm going to be a – a harbinger of truth or whatever off stage, I choose to talk about the anxiety a 39 year old man has. And I'm 99.9% sure that almost everybody my age feels it where it's like, I don't know where I am in the world. Am I middle aged? Cause 40 doesn't feel like yeah. 40 used to. I feel like I'm 20. I feel like I feel fantastic, but it's just this, what have I accomplished? So what, what do I mean? That's so healthy, though. Yeah, and it's nice know? to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, but, uh, you want to think of, like, uh, almost like this Don Draper, like, style, like, era that wasn't that long ago. No. Two generations ago. No. Where you're, like, where everybody had to build a wall up around themselves in and not have any sort of cathartic release in order to produce in the world. Exactly. And, you know? And you know what else it is, too? And I've been realizing lately, and I talk about it, like, a lot on here. I've been doing a lot of sensory deprivation tanks. Like, I love floating. And I've been realizing lately that none of this matters. And I, and I think that – and what I mean by this is that, like, it, I'm glad they played Bug last night, which yeah. is one of my favorite songs in the world. And It Doesn't Matter has been, like, a mantra to me lately. And I mean it in a way of freedom. Yeah. And, and, and I wonder if you understand what I'm saying with this when it's, like, when something matters, quote, unquote – Remember Chris Farley when he was trying to get the chicken wings and Tommy Boy and he's explaining why to Helen why he sucks at selling things? And he's like, let's say this role is my sale. And he's like, oh, my pretty little pet. And then he like gets all nervous and like, sh- like ruins it. I get that way with things sometimes. And I think other people do is when you're so passionate about a thing, you, you think it to death. Yes. And then when you stop and you look back and you realize it and you go. It didn't matter. None of this fucking matters. Didn't matter. So this podcast doesn't matter, but we're doing it in that vein and we're having a good time, which makes it a good fucking listen. And that's the thing that I think is important. And it's breaking down that, like, you don't need to be this stoic, like, keep it all in, die of a heart attack. Because, you know, Bill Burr's joke about that, where, like, he's going to die at 50 because he can't say a puppy's cute. Like that shit, I, I I cry all the time. I fucking I'm yeah. emotional, and I'm, I'm I'm I feel like I'm getting to a point now where I can be a little bit more in touch with sadness and anxiety and love and fear and all that, and and be okay talking about it. And I started a program called the Stress Test, where I go to colleges and I talk to kids in transitional times in their life about like. God, you're not a, alone. What an important, like, what an important thing. That, uh, we, like, did, we didn't have nobody that. Nobody has any. Exactly. We didn't have. And, you know, honestly, like, it was, I entered college 15 years ago mm-hmm. this year. Um, and, like, and and I had no, no fucking clue what I wanted to do with my life. Like, no. No one does. That's the, that's the worst thing about that age. And the people that do, you know, God bless them. They're, like, they're the ones taking out our appendix. And exactly. Our pe- yeah. And, you know, they, they are very, very good at what they do. And, <laughs> Thank you God. Know, I'm glad that they exist. I'm glad <laughs> yeah, that totally. there are people that have that narrow path vision. Um, but for all of that, for everybody else, the amount of anxiety that falls on your shoulders with just, you know, being, you know, 19 and like, 
you, you know, you're going, you're so, you're so growing up. Spending in or way. saving, Spending credit or, or debt. Credit or debt, exactly. Like, you have no idea what you want to do. You have no idea how big and wide open the future is, like, at that point. I mean, there's got to be some stat out there about what percentage of people are using their degree. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, how many people be. are? I have an English degree, and it's like same. Doesn't English matter. And look, we're, 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 we're talking. We ain't writing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so weird that it's like, why haven't we had like why, you know, institutions that that charge forty thousand dollars a year, they're not getting you prepared for how to budget, yeah. how to look at a lease and be like, how do I not get fucked here? Right. How do I like you know go into a um, At the same point in time, I do think that it's really healthy to be able to figure all that stuff out. On right, your own. right. But like, is it but is it okay to say it, I, I need help? Oh, absolutely. I think you that's should. the part. That's important. I think that's I the part mean, that a lot of people didn't exactly, think. Exactly. I didn't know I could ask for help. I mean, it's like one of those things where you know, I always just think that like college, looking back, is just. It's it's socialization because there's nowhere else in the world to put you. Yeah. Like in, yeah. in, in except for like the military, yeah. um, and you know you kind of have to have it in those formative years, or otherwise, you know, what are who are you when you actually are out in the world? Uh, yeah, ten years later, etc. I know, know, I know. And you look back and you think about that person, and you think about how. Remember having conversations with friends about like they knew exactly they had it all mapped out, and now they're and, now, and you're like and you're like, man, you really deviated from that course, just, <laughs> just, just like, as we all do. <laughs> and the only constant throughout the whole thing has been fucking fish concerts isn't that weird isn't it really that's the whole project i'm working on now is just this kind of like the throughput has been anxiety and music and there's the good anxiety and the bad and like waiting and anticipating for what's going to open the show yeah and what's the next song going to be and 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 when do i piss and what do i you know when do we hit the lot and that you fun have piss song anxiety oh, i have totally have pee break yeah, anxiety too. i've like, missed I've, I've i'm embarrassed to say that i've missed some like really good moments because of my bladder oh of course <laughs> yeah absolutely like last night i had to piss during an icu and i'm like all right and i just ran and i don't want to piss during an icu yeah. but it's like they're, if they're playing an icu they're going to come out with something ripping and it came out with friends yep which great i'm happy to hear it but i i could have peed a little longer Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. I felt again like Farley. Remember when he's like, "I got my thing caught in my zipper. I got so, pissed all over." So it. mine that like I still get my balls busted on by my buddies all the time was uh, Jam Night Baker's Dozen. Mm. Um, made it through the end of Lawn Boy, but like right at the end of Lawn Boy, I was like, but at the same point, I was kind of the best thing ever because everybody was in the same like boat and yeah. like just darting into those like Madison Square Garden 100 level like bathrooms there was like yeah Fucking we lawn just boy. got lawn boy <laughs> and it was like it was like i was like okay cool like we 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 did it we got we got two songs in and 40 minutes and whatever yeah, yeah. dude so let's talk i want to ask you about that for a second about like chasing these like like the moments yeah the fish is a great example of somebody that like or something that presents us with these singular experiences and i wanted to ask you about like following that like why do you what keeps you coming back man at this point in time i mean how many years is it for you it's my first show was in 2000 okay. so and it was uh fall 2000 hershey park show 9 15 2000 Ooh, i have a fun story about that um uh, that was uh i was 14 and uh my my one of my best childhood friends um, his older brother was into fish. I'm the oldest of, of my family. Me too. And, I'm the oldest of four. And, uh, and so his older brother was into fish. He was at Penn State at the time. And uh, 
you know, my friend and I were like, oh, let's like, let's go see Fish. Like, whatever. I had like had a live one and was like, you know, I knew the band yeah. even at like fourteen. Of course, um, that's when I started. And, too. and I was also like. I was also, like, uh, very into the internet aspects of, like, fish community at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like the various message boards and whatnot. Like Fantasy tour? Fantasy tour. No, I wasn't. I never got into fantasy tour. There was another one, um, the tape trading ones, like E-Tree and, like, sure. stuff like that. Sure. Fantasy tour got a little too, like... It was, it was the a first Reddit. Weird. It was the first Reddit, man. Um, I, later on, I got more into, like, what, you know, that model looked like with <laughs> Revival. But um, <laughs> but but it was interesting. So fourteen went, got my mind blown. First tube opener as an amazing show. show. When Dora I d- Bug, I did I- a lot of that run, and it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And, and then afterwards, there was the the break, the whole you know uh, first hiatus, first hiatus. Yep. And uh, which was a huge boom for jam bands. Huge. I was Disco writing for Relics at the time. Up. Soul Live Galactic. All of them. Mo did great. Exactly. There was yeah. Everybody's regional. And, and this favorites. like this was like. In that key age of just like kind of transformative years of when you're in your in high school and like learning a lot about the world and you know social groups and what music you like and yeah everything like that. In addition to this, my uh, my both of my parents are public school music teachers. Oh, great! Um, and and so there was always like a really uh, a fondness in at home to. Uh, explore different types of music and, you know, really understand kind of what what was going on sure. in it. Um, so that, you know, I'm very lucky at that age to have not been fought by my, you know, yeah. at home Absolutely. for like for for chasing, you know, the yeah. kind of passion of seeing live music. Um, so then, you know, the 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 O2, I guess, 2.0 or whatever 2.0. it is that we call it happens. And those were aggressive fish years for me. They were all up and down the East Coast on a lot of those tours. February um, 03 was a phenomenal February run. 03, we went to uh, Cincinnati run. I was there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Son of a mule at that Yeah, show. exactly. That was so great. I'm hoping to get one of those. We got, there was that weird Makasupa because the hotel that everybody caught was saying fire. caught on fire and or that something. Was the, that, was the, um, that was the motivation for the song Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which was a great tab song. And I think Fish played it, what, once or twice? Yeah, maybe? yeah. Yeah, that was a great... That phenomenal that winter two thousand three tour, oh, icy awesome. fucking run, man. Yeah. I remember. And that then, was... and then that one that paved the way to uh, summer '03, which was um, I was seventeen at the time, and like kind of the, in that first taste of freedom, like going into your senior year of high school, where you know just running around all over the place with a car. <laughs> <laughs> selling bottles of water. I almost got my ass kicked in Camden selling water right next to the venue by some like greasy Philly Jersey like or, or no a, no or like you were a hot a, dog vendor. I was he, like he was take, you were it was a tur- it was a turf war. He wa- yeah, he, he, works, <laughs> he works Phillies games. Yeah, he, he's like, who's this fucking? Do you remember? Are you too young? Do you remember Lawn Boy? I do. The guy, uh, yeah, he the would green run around all the The first time I ever saw Lawn Boy was here at Meriwether for a tra- for a tab show on that very first uh, 2002 tab tour. Okay, yeah, and he was always running around. I watched Lawn Boy yeah. get fucking beat up by Philly cops because right it. outside of at like, Camden. They, yeah, oh, well, no, at the Spectrum. The outside, uh, oh. outside the venue. Was it one of those? Uh, was it one of the um, Thanksgiving shows? Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. And I was he, at those. he was like, "I just want to give out candy," and yeah, they're just dude. like, "Good." <laughs> like, Who is this fruit? And we're like, "That's Lawn Boy." Man, dude. The, he comes around with jo- 
Jolly Ranchers at the perfect moment. Always. Oh, my whole, like, early, I started 95. And, like, when you're talking about 03 summer, that was kind of like going into Clifford Ball. Yep. I was 15 when I went to, or 16 when I went to Clifford Ball. And it was my second ever show. And then you go in, it's like, there's, like, oh, we're partying in traffic? Yeah. Like, what? And then you just have that group that's like, I guess we're going to continue to do yeah. this. And I'm making friends, and yes. like these people are important to me, like, and they still are, right? Yeah, exactly, a thousand percent. They're the they're they're some of my best friends in the world at this point in time. I really, I I would love to thank the band for keeping me tight with friends since I was 15. Yeah, isn't 25, that wild? 25 years I've had the same buddies because of this band. We live all over the country. Yeah, some are married, some are divorced, some are whatever you know, and it's like we're all still. Oh, hey, what are you going to? Yeah, exactly. Who got a hotel for this? You right. got any extra for that? And right. it's just, it and just it's like you're, and so it's like your child again. Like, you really and, are. It, and it's, and it's, 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 it's such a joyous thing. And like, I also was able to get, um, my brother's two years younger than me. And, uh, I took him to his first show was, um, the Post Gazette Pavilion Harpua, uh, Burgess 2003. Town 03. Burgess I was Town there. Yep. What the a show. first show. We were um, we were we had a car loaded up driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, uh, and I was like, I'm feeling a harpoon tonight. Like, just like said it, spoke it into the universe, and we got it. And I was like, Whoa! We've talked about this on that po- on the podcast before. Did you know the rumor about that show that Trey had like an iPod? No, and just hit shuffle and whatever came up on the iPod that was the set. Good because that was an ami- that's one of the best first sets. Oh, dude, that, that whole show the, the whole show is unreal. unreal. And like, and it's like it's really funny because. Because I feel like when I talk to some fish fans, they're like, "Why do you like Daniel?" The goosebumps. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, it's amazing. It's like, why? It. Why do you like Daniel Salvasone? It's like so much. And I'm like, dude, if you were there, if you were there, if you were there, yeah. like it was the best. And you know what's funny too is that's an example. Darien Lake 97, life changing show for me. I met Ken Kesey there, and I became good Unreal. friends with him. You know, and at Forbin's Camel Walk. Yep. You know, we, uh, that that Daniel Salvasone, cool it down. The Harpua. Timber. I think the timber. Oh, which we have to get to. Have right? to get a timber. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I've been that. calling it timber time. for basically since tour started. It's time. <laughs> yeah. I think tonight timber, mist, a couple of uh, bittersweet might be nice. But then, yeah, there's those ones that you – that's what we're chasing, you know? And yeah. it's like that that amazing – even when it's not that show. If yeah. tonight's not – Burgett's Town 03. Yeah, it's still going to be still going to be great. The and last it's like I'm here with my – and that to me is like kind of the next stage of it is like – yeah, I chase music, but like I also chase like really meaningful relationships and experiences with friends. Yeah. And you know, that yeah. to me is kind of a, the biggest part of the whole trip. Like, you know, my brother and I have seen fish all over all over the country at this point in time. It's so um, nice. and it's really like great. and it's like, you know, just I think everybody needs to have that thing that is so special to them because of the people around them. Well, that's exactly that's the thesis of my of my project that this is the first time I'm talking about it on on my podcast, but there's going to be this Spotify project, this little mini series I'm doing is about like that exact thing that you just said. It's it's this you know Everyone has their thing they need to nerd out to. Yeah. There's the Game of Thrones people. When you're in line at a grocery store and someone cuts you, the way that you don't kill them is you start thinking about, like, I wonder when the next time I'm going to hear Fee. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we all need that little, like, serotonin 
it's, drip. And it's, fish is ours. It's, and it's so beautiful. I think I think it was the writer uh, Stephen Hyden. I'm, I'm not sure. I, it was somebody who has written a lot of like music, uh, sort of cultural criticism, and whatnot. And he was like, you know, once upon a time, like the my community of writers used to just shit all over fish, like. But what we've come to all learn is that, you know, why would anybody be afraid to love something? That's it. That's all it is. I mean, really, it's, it's, it, that's such an, an interesting way of putting it. And you know what's funny is that there are people who will break my balls, comics. Sure. That'll go, really? You're going to see that fucking dumb band again? But it's kind of fun, though, it's right? Tr- I love it. I love <laughs> you it. love it. it. <laughs> well, I, and, and what I've done now, I'm never – I'll bring the people that want to go to a show, but I'm not someone that's like, dude, you got to – I was Ari Shafir was going to come to uh, – um, Baker's dozen with me, and he had like ridiculous food poisoning. Oh no! And I went over to his place, and he's like, "I'll be right back." And he goes into the bathroom, and I, I hear him puking <laughs> and shitting. And I'm like, "Ari, what?" And he's like, "I got food poisoning." He's like, "Oh, I'll just take some acid and we'll go." And I'm like, "I don't think Dude. you want to do that." Yeah, I'm like, "This is you don't want to go to your first yeah. official with food poisoning." So do it for the story, but maybe not story. that yeah, story. Not and you could go over there. And I don't want to be babysitting a fucking a drippy yeah. Ari. So, um, but I, I I hear that whole kind of like you know, I, I when when the people that'll break my balls, then they'll all get together and huddle around a flat screen and watch UFC. And right. It's like that's my fish, right. Right. You dummy. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's and it's the same exact thing. I brought my brother to uh, Great Woods, oh four. I think was the year um, they played Tears of a Clown that night. They oh, did a whole bunch, but he was fourteen, yeah, and uh, I was fifteen when I went to uh, New Haven '95 for a yep. show, and it's just this fun like watching him watch my thing. It's such yeah. a nice older. It's such brother. an amazing thing. Like he's, he's nine years younger than me. Yeah, and it's and it's like it's crazy too because like even. Um, just in recent years, you know, when I lived in New York, I saw obviously a lot of Northeastern stuff. I had friends move all around the country. And now what we do is we just, we just, we just connect, man. Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, it's people that in a lot of ways, like, you know, never, never would believe that I'd be at their weddings in another life or something like that. You but know? it's like, yeah. you know, being it friends happens. with Tom Marshall. I mean, like, right. just, this podcast is on his yeah. network and it's just like a. I met Tom in uh, LA a couple weeks shit. ago. Amazing. The first time he, him and I hung. He came to the comedy cellar and watched my. Sh- we had a, I, yeah. I was on a show and we went out and he had a couple beers and I just had like one because I don't like to, you know, when I'm working. It's sure, work. it's work. It was neat to go into our friendship that way, but I mean, it's it's interesting that when you're in this world where you're putting yourself out there, yeah, and the people you get to meet and the friends that you that, know. That, I remember you from Big Cypress. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that shit. Well, it's funny no, because, it's- like, it's, you know, Tom was at that Hershey show. He walked on stage with his daughter at the time to do the Rai Rai Rocco yep. on, uh, on Antelope. Yep. And, like, when I met him in L.A., I was like, dude, you were at my first fish show. You have no idea how, like, important that was to me. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, wait, we're just having a conversation, like, as media entrepreneurs. <laughs> like, I was like, this is. That's all it is. I was like, I was like, yeah, actually, I do know a whole lot about how to run an independent media company. <laughs> like, I, I remember when he, when, he was, when he came out there yeah. to hang with you. Um, I'll be out there. I'll be out in, uh, in L.A. in August. So we definitely have to chill. Oh, dude. It'll be a lot of what, fun. What are your thoughts on, you know, I, I ask comedians this, and I feel like it's such a generic, like, question. But uh, L.A. versus New York comedy yeah, scene and stuff. Man. I mean, I definitely think there's a difference. There is definitely I a definitely difference. think there's a difference. As I a think, former New Yorker. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm New York through and through. I lived in Colorado for a little while, sure. and I loved it, but I'm Same. like, fucking, I need, yeah, we all, yeah. <laughs> we all have to Kerouac yeah. for a year, but I'm, uh, 
I'm New York for life. And I and I think that there's uh, – L.A. comics are a little bit more um, patient, a little more kind of uh, alty in the sense of the fact that it doesn't necessarily have to be Dave Attell, set up punch, set up punch, yep. set up punch. New York, in my opinion, and I think it's just from – Work in the cellar, work in some of these rooms where it's like Jim Norton, me, and then fucking who knows? You yep. know what I mean? Anybody could be popping in at any moment, and there's and it, and it's this kind of like you want to be undeniable, you want to be memorable, you want to kick the fucking shit out of the show, and then be like, here, like follow that Keith yeah. Robinson, follow that Colin Quinn, but you have this, you know, I'm I'm I love jokes, I love the structure of a joke. I like the music of a joke and the math of it all. And I think that, you know, there are some stigmas or whatever, LA, New York, look funny cream rises to the top. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think oh, that there, there is yep. good. There's great everywhere. I mean, if you like, I, I think Bill Burr my... is a fucking LA comic. Now, if you think about it, you know what I mean? And there's brilliant comics in both places, but there's shit in both places. Yep. I really do believe that. Of course. I mean, so, there's a lot of noise, like anything, like music, like, like you know that anything. Wilco song, like, the late greats, you know, like they're like the best song will never get sung. Right. Like, I mean, there are comics that are somewhere. It's brilliant that are just never going to be heard. I, I think that like, you know, I'll, and I'll be honest, like I went to a good amount of comedy when I lived in New York. I was mostly focused on seeing music. Of course. In, yeah. Because why not? Because it's, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You know, so when I would play on my social uh, my social life in the in the evenings, I mostly focused on music versus comedy. But obviously, it was interstilled everywhere as as it is when you live in New York City. Absolutely. Um, but in LA, I religiously go out of my way to see comedy. Um, and why is that? I think it's because I I just think that there's the vibe of it is totally different. Um, I, I would say that you know you it's more this, laid back. It's more laid back. Audiences too, and this is not a critique on New York at all, but it's going to sound like one. Um, Audiences, I feel like they they get it a little bit more. Mm. There, it's it's more than just the kind of date night stumble into a comedy, stumble into Gotham or something like that. Like sure. type of like Carolines, whatever. Yeah, uh, type of crowd. It's somebody that's really going out of their way to see like you know Ari Manis and Theo or like something something like that. Theo like, Vaughn is brilliant, isn't he brilliant? I love oh, Theo so much. Yeah. I, I mean, I love, and that's the thing though. You think about it, and it's like. And I and I want to back up and say that like a lot of this New York LA there's not many comics that are right. born and bred in Manhattan or born and bred in Hollywood. Sure. People move. Exactly. Soder is an exactly. LA comic, is he? He's Denver. He's one of the funniest Everyone's... fucking people alive. Mark Norman's from New Orleans. Right. Sam Sean Patton who I think is the most underrated, brilliant, beautiful person. New Orleans. Yep. Well, you got to live where you can support your art. And that's it. Like, so it's you like, you know, you if you – but I totally understand why people would live in L.A. I totally get it. I mean, it's – it's it, there's quality of life. New York is fucking disgusting. It's hard, man. It's brutal. It's hard. It's really brutal, but I love it. I, it's, a, it's a brutal that I can get into. And, it's, and, it's, and that's the fun – watching a Norton every night, watching Colin. Yeah. I mean, like the cellar, I'm, I'm so f- blessed to be – in at the cellar and, and regular there and, and hang and watch and do shows with the other night I had a sh- I was on a show and it was um, this guy Ryan Reese was the host and then I, I went first Mateo Lane brilliant guy Nick Griffin like razor sharp yeah. dry 
phenomenal comic. I mean, there's one of the best joke writers. Then Bill Burr, then Lenny Marcus, who oh, another amazing. brilliant, and then Bobby Kelly. That's one of ten shows so at the good. cellar on a Friday night, and I'm just I'm on that show. And I got off stage, and I went right on the steps, and I sat and I watched the show, and I was like, my life is amazing. Yeah. I cannot believe that I'm on a show with these guys. And I Unreal. like went and thanked Esty, and was just like, this is really fucking amazing. That is so awesome. And it's those things that that bliss that yeah. this band brings us, yep. and that you know, like, so L.A. New York. If you're doing what you love, I'm I support you. I think you're great. I just don't really get into the whole, uh, I don't know. I'm not really part like, of any I camp. Say, I always say that, like. I like to be the grateful dad of it all. You know sure, what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know. You're like, like licorice. Yeah, right? either love it or hate it, man. <laughs> right. I say that all the time. I must, say, <laughs> I must say that 20 times a day about everything. Yeah. It's and the it's best like, quote ever. You know, like, yeah, sometimes I do like black licorice. It does taste pretty good every now and then when you really want it. <laughs> when you really want it. And then you don't want it for three years. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. I'll be that, you know? No, I ask because, like, I always say that, you know, I, I think that, like, New York it has such an incredible energy as a city, like, especially when it comes to music. Like I said, I miss that shit out of the mm. New York live music scene. You can go anywhere. Where and now there's anywhere. so many. You can stay out till 4 o'clock in the morning. You can go see, you know, uh, j-rat at brooklyn bowl and then stay out and see something else until you, and you know, go watch some dj spin in the east village exactly, for yeah which is which is awesome um you know but people are always like when people do the new york versus la thing i always say there's there's a really combustible creative energy in los angeles right now um just because of the economics of you know everybody being able to um significantly pitch a Netflix show or Amazon or something to, to yeah. platforms where compared to, I would, I would equate it back to the same creative energy that probably existed in huge studio days um, where, you know, all these people are coming through town to work on gigs and like that know, show vinyl. Yeah, exactly. Like vinyl. Yeah, exactly. Like the, ri- like the music, the CBGB's era of New York when yeah. it was just like, it's like the Carson of comedy and, where it's like, and, you, you and know, look like it, it's, it's, it's comedy, it's entertainment as a whole performers, etc. I think that there's an, and this weird, this digital world that I find myself in yeah. um, where, where, you know, people are just like, want to be kind of a part of something that they don't, there's not a name for it or an error or something like that. Mm. They just want to focus and work on what they love. Yeah. Um, and have the economic means to be able to do that. That's all it and is. Like there are few places in the world where you can do that. Like. I, yeah. <laughs> I had a great conversation with somebody today about how, and, and it's a quote, just like the licorice quote you said, I think I quote Bob Weir from the other one documentary on Netflix quite a bit about how the dead wanted to, there's success and there's fame and the dead kind of wanted to sidestep fame and find success. And I agree with that. I want to be a famous, but I don't want to be, I don't need to be Aziz famous. I don't need to be Schumer famous. I would like there to be people who such a trap and why? Yeah. What, who needs it? Yeah. Who needs it? I felt so bad for Amy when, uh, she was pregnant and somebody like in the, and it like there was a page six or whatever had like, her in a bathroom having like some type of like nausea thing. And it's like, go fuck it. What if somebody did that to your mother? Right. What if somebody did that to your sister? And this is someone who's sitting with me at the table and I'm like, I I can't. People are people. It's really brutal. Yeah. But there's that, you know, you find like the Brian Regan, not an LA or a New York guy. And he's somebody who can go sell out a theater and go out and ask, does anybody have any requests? 
and people yell out his bits, and he does the bit. A comic. That is getting, so cool. It's the coolest thing that ever. That is so cool. And it's, that's, that's something that – and then when he leaves that, that theater, two blocks away, nobody knows who the fuck he is. Yeah. That's bliss, dude. That's a brilliant fucking – like, that's such an awesome – like aspiration for I a mean, career. I think about that with fish a lot. Like where, like we have this nobody knows nerdy, who Paige is. Yeah, exactly. Paige walks into any restaurant in America. It's just another dude. He's got to wait. Like, yeah, exactly. He's got to wait. Like it's you know it's it's like so funny. You know we build these like tribes with our leaders and whatnot, like around ourselves. It's so true. And we're, and, but it's like the world is big and I there's forget, a lot yeah. of people in it. Like, think about it. Like, you know, I'm probably one of the people that never, I didn't watch one episode of Game of Thrones. And like, I think about it how like if there's, if, if the, somebody on that show walked into this hotel, yeah. people would have their phones out going bananas and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like yep. now good. I get the elevator to myself. Yep. You know what I mean? But then if Trey walked into Whole Foods, I'd fucking kick over avocados to get to him. Sure, you know what course. I mean? And it's of just a, that's you'd be, you'd, be a, you'd be a man child, that man child <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, totally. that's running it up. It's so funny. So I was, um, I was just at Bonnaroo and I had an artist pass. Yeah, I wanted to talk with you um, about that before and, we – And it was, it, it was really funny because, uh, because I was like – a bunch of my friends were like, "Dude, you have an artist pad at Bonnaroo. You're gonna like, you're gonna meet fish." Like, and I've always said, I have no interest in meeting fish. Yeah, none. Yeah. Like, just like one of those, you know, what am I gonna say? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Fucking like, learn Spocks and play it right. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, <laughs> the only thing that I've always said, like my answer to that is, "Would you guys play Windora Bug again as a band?" <laughs> like, I just we got the rules down. Now. Yeah, exactly. Just We're come on, like. Throw speak. another – throw it back in the rotation. Remember when him, Trey, Russ, and Tony would play that? On yeah, the it was so, so good, good, man. But I, but it was funny because we, they were saying this and they were like, dude, Bonnaroo, it's going to happen. You're going to like meet him, whatever. And yeah. I was just like – and I was so happy that I didn't as a fan. Yeah. Um, just yeah. because – but at the same point in time, it's also like, of course, I'd love to say to somebody how much it means to me. But as, as a professional, yeah. the last thing you want to do is – Stan. <laughs> well, you're right. You're totally – that's so true. And, you know, like with my – I've had a – I have a pretty interesting look on that because with being a part of the Impractical Jokers family and touring with them and going out to dinner and being like, you know, me and Joe Gatto and Sal and Q or whatever, we'll like – we'll go to eat an hour before the show somewhere or three hours before the show. And, I mean, shit, me and Q were at the – at Graceland and this kid came out of nowhere and he was like crying and he goes, today's my birthday. My flight was delayed. I missed the show last night in Nashville, but I'm here now. Do you know if there's still tickets available? And Q's like, give me your name. I'll put you on the guest list. Yeah. And it made the kids world. Yeah. But then there are people drunk fucking the Jimmy Buffett of fans. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. They're real yep. knobby, yep. like, yep. you know, like, uh, Women who wear shirts that are like, oh, I always cook with wine and sometimes I put it in the food, you know, like the, the walking target art people. Yep, yep. And they're they're real assholes and they really kind of ruin it. And then, and then you think about it and, you know, I watch all this and I think the one thing I would like to talk about with those guys, if I ever got the chance, was the off hours. Right. The you know, the the the, the 11 a.m. To, to 4 p.m. Had, what what do you do to remain mindful and yeah. chill and you know like the hotel hours yeah. the, the the airport lobby hours I mean, like that's the stuff that i think is that's kind of also you as a interviewer as somebody that is able to put on the journalist hat yeah, every maybe, now and then maybe like yeah. because i feel like like i kind of 
learn that trick in growing bro bible with like access to talent where you know i'd be with like russell westbrook and they'd be surrounded by all of these you know people asking him about whatever like some basketball wonky thing and i'd be like what's your in and out order and the dude just laughs. He's like, yo, it's like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, man. Like, the guy, yeah. like, lights up on it. That's like, <laughs> Yeah, that really is the greatest thing when you when you can be a real person. Exactly. And that's something, like, my first interview ever was with Ken Kesey, the guy that wrote fucking Cuckoo's Nest. And I wrote, I had a, a list of questions for him, and I got there. I got to his farm in Oregon, and he started talking, and I just crumbled up the paper and threw it out the window and was like, I'm, I'm here to listen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, I don't need to go to Trey and be like – did you know that you, you know, at Clifford Ball when Harpua and got all fucked up and Jimmy and the plane and yeah, you don't need to do that. What was? Do you mind if I ask what was Ken like? I don't know how much you've talked on your. No, you could talk about it as much like, as. Uh, I mean, he was. Um, I mean, Jesus. Maybe we can do another one and talk about this more yeah, fully. But I, I, I would I asked, love to. Um, I asked because uh, my he, thing in Colorado was I worked for. Um, the widow of Hunter S. Thompson, uh-huh. uh, Anita Thompson. Yeah. We worked on a book project together as mm-hmm. a nerdy English major coming out of college. And it was kind of my first foray into publishing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm super – I love that era. Ken was – That era of literature. He was very sick yeah. and he was uh, pale as a ghost and moving around very slow. But they, we had moments that – the original bus, the further bus, yeah. is rusting and covered in moss on his farm in Oregon. Yep. And – him and I walked around the yard and he told me about his son who died and he told me about the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia. And I, you know, I, I he was like a tour guide into my own queries. Yeah. It's somehow like he knew what I wanted to know without me having to ask. Sure. And he was so down to fucking like tell me whatever I needed to know. You know what I mean? Amazing. Told me about meeting Bob Dylan for the first time. Yeah. Told me Garcia was scared to die in his sleep. So he would sit up and read and he would like fall asleep for a couple hours, wake up and. You know, ironically, he dies in his fucking sleep. Right. But um, anyway, like, I think that he was just a very, like, he saw that I was not some hippy-dippy, yeah. acid-following, like, right. weirdo. I was there for yeah, you're, the literary. You're not a no, I know. I look like <laughs> I would bust them, right? But I, I definitely went there with, like, a, uh, a sparkle in my eye about. He told me one thing that I think that was, like, the most, probably one of the nicest compliments, and I think only other lit nerds would get it but he he said i reminded him of kerouac and i i that to me was like kerouac's my idol yeah kerouac's this romantic sure. football player that would get drunk yep. and tell women that he loved them and they would say like go to hell and then right. he would lay on the roof of his you know apartment and just look at the sky and be like well where does this lead me next yeah. you know and i love that and and kerouac at kerouac the fact that Keezy even Saw that in my, like, you know, I wrote to him and I sent him my creative writing and he was such a warm, welcoming person, but I was scared to death of him. You know what I mean? Like, it was something that, like, I mean, I was meeting the guy who yeah. was responsible for the Grateful Dead. Right. And it was this thing, though, that the gave Mary me Prankster. the one that got it all started. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 and to me, that was now I'm buddies with Dave Attell yep. and now I'm friends with Tom Marshall and you and all these people that, like, uh, to me are the puzzle pieces in our big jigsaw. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, yeah. And and it's, um, having all this and having all these outlets and, you know, social media and all that stuff. It's really great to see like-minded people and it's great to meet you. And was it fun? Um, was that, was that your first Bonnaroo? 
It was, man. Eee. Dude, it was. I was uh, at the very first one. Oh, 2002? I think that it was that. Yeah. Trey and Widespread Panic were the headliners. So, and... um, yeah, what a what a magical. Uh, it's it's corporate. It's everything that, you know, fish fans like definitely of your, especially of your generation that were there. Old timers. Love to love to trash it for. Um, it is all of the cliches. That's the, my only way. It's like L.A. L.A. is all the cliches. Bonnaroo is all the cliches. It totally but is. It's, but it is. But it is a fine place to see fish. And it is an exciting. I think it's exciting to see some of the young energy uh, that's coming to the band. May I ask you, uh, this is a not a theory, but it's almost a fear. Do you think that Fish Bonnaroo 2019 is their touch of gray? No, I don't. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. I do. I don't think so. I think that it's. Uh, I think that it's. I think it's the need for security after Curveball. To be honest, I think there's a lot a bigger. You know, That's a good point. A bigger thing um, out there in the universe of why they wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that I don't think that they necessarily want to connect with this younger audience, but I think that it's really exciting for performers and musicians like Trey, etc. To see, you know, Cardi B, who's the, you know, the biggest, one of the Thing biggest the cultural world. acts in the world, yeah. uh, to be in the same crowd that loves Post Malone for whatever. And, like, I hate to say um, it's fun to be the old timer, but it's it kind of is. Like, it is. it's kind of fun to be the Sherpa. Uh, the 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 old man on the mountain. I wrote in my notebook like, last night. I bring a notebook at every show, and I write notes to myself for jokes and and thoughts and whatever little anecdotes about tour. And uh, yesterday, I had eighteen year old me next to me, and I was in the pavilion, and I was really close. And this kid and six of his friends were doubled doubled up, wook stacked. Right. You know, behind the old, standing like the old friend group looks standing, stack. standing dickhead to asshole sure. with each other, yep. you know, and, it, and the kid turns to me and he goes, sir, sir. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker. You got sirred. I was like, oh, I got sirred. I was like, you piece of shit. And I go, uh, what's up? And he goes, full disclosure, these aren't our seats. I go, yeah, I know. Well, they're mine. And he goes, well, do you mind if my and I'm like, yeah, just I don't want to deal I've, with you. I've, I've been there. I, and I, I've and been I, there. And I was angry, but also I was like, that was me, dude. Yep. That was I was triple. But isn't that tri- cool? Like, and it took me. It took my New York yeah. assholeness. Yeah. Like I had to kind of like just go. You're at fish, dude. None of this matters. So matter. just chill the fuck have, out. Have and so time. I said, I was like, yeah, dude. I'm like, but just don't like surrender to the flow. Surrender to the flow, man. I'm like, just don't bother me. Yeah. I'm like, if you kick over my beer, you owe me two. Sure. I kind of laid down <laughs> sure. the law. I'm like, no cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of you know just breaking balls, but they were all right. But it was fun to like kind of look over and be like, yeah, I'm the old timer, man. Like I am, and I and I like it, and I think I'm getting. This is church now for me. Like I really like this is I love I love being here and I love the new music. I was uh I was walking around on Sunday at Bonnaroo before the show and I was like talking to this um talking to this like group of girls that were uh, very obviously not there for fish. They you were, did a great job interviewing, by the way. Thank you. I really I enjoyed that. watching it. They, uh, <laughs> I like, it's fun, man. It's like some of the stuff people said they were waiting to hear, and then all the names running, the, running with antelopes, running with antelopes. Who's the guy? Was so he was so nice. Doesn't that sound so like an friendly. Amy Tan book? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the crazy thing about it was, this kid's like twenty-two. He had a huge uh, fish totem that like moved and everything. 
I loved it. You couldn't it. see it in that video. Um, but anyway, I was no, he to, did. You could see it. He could, pulled it down at one it. point. Yeah, like it's yeah. Just amazing. But uh, he, I was talking to this group of girls, and they were obviously there for the EDM stuff, and they were like. I was like, oh, you know, what do you guys think of fish? Are you sticking around? They're like, oh, we're probably not sticking around for fish. I was like, oh, well, like, have you, like, met any fish fans? And she's like, yeah, we met a lot of fish fans this weekend. They're kind of like base nectar fans. <laughs> oh, my God. Which to me was the most, like, weird but, like, kind of perfect, like, new generation thing where it's like, yes, we're not compared to the Grateful Dead anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like, we're compared to Bass Nectar fans Bass and Nectar. not the Grateful Dead. How hilarious. <laughs> and now Twiddle is the string cheese Right, of it all. exactly. God damn it. <laughs> what a weird time. <laughs> Dude, I thank you so much. This is obviously the beginning of, of many more things we're going to do. Thank you so much. And I don't want to keep you. We have to hit the lot. It's 445. We've got to get, I got some beers to drink. Yeah, you do. I got a burger to eat. So please tell all the listeners where they can find you and where they can find uh, everything that you're Twitter's doing. Twitter's my main thing, Brandon Brandon Wennerd, uh, W-E-N-E-R-D, uh, on Twitter, and uh, brobible.com. Um, you'll see my writing there, and uh, it's kind of the, the hub for all of my creative energy. Fantastic, you and, and you're doing a great job. Thanks, man, I appreciate um, that. Everybody, thank you for listening. As always, Amigos Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Osiris Network for all the great podcasts. Uh, and MikeFenoya.com for dates. I'm going to be at the Comedy Cellar in Vegas, and I'm going to be on the road with Dave Attell in September. So, MikeFenoya.com. Thank you. I love you. Good night.